You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Things have changed, so let's update that now with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, thanks for taking the time. Let's go around the league and start in Pittsburgh. Martavis Bryant now running with the scout team, anticipated to be inactive on Sunday when Pittsburgh takes on Detroit. With the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, do you see any scenario in which the Steelers actually deal Bryant? It doesn't sound like it. Uh, you know, I thought Mike Tomlin made that that pretty clear that that he's gonna he's gonna discipline Bryant before he trades him. Now maybe somebody comes in and blows them away with an offer, but you really can't anticipate that happening. So based on what Tomlin has said, the fact that they're demoting him and promoting Justin Hunter, um, and and you know taking away his spot that that he felt was rightfully his after the team had stuck behind him after the suspension. You know, it's clear they're going to see how he responds to it. And his initial comments were kind of, you know, kind of apathetic. So maybe that does change. But right now, I say no. How much of a distraction you think it is uh, to not have Martavis Bryant in the lineup, even though I know the distraction caused him to go to the scout team? And obviously there's some potential conversations of a trade. And obviously you just killed that just then. But how big of a distraction for him to not have an opportunity to practice with the team and maybe play this weekend? Yeah, Cordell, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, I think they're trying to eliminate the distraction as much as they can, you know, and I don't know if we'll get to a, you know, Keyshawn Johnson deactivation type of situation where they try to come after his money a little bit or, you know, I mean, take it to that next step, um, you know, or suspend him or something like that. But I think right now they're seeing can he prove himself and, and can he pick himself back up? Can he do the work on the scout team? that impresses his teammates, impresses the coaches, and, and earns him back a spot in that lineup. So I believe they have a game this weekend at Detroit, and then they go on by. So these next two weeks feel like kind of a crucial time. You know, if he's going to prove it, he's going to do it during this little period here, assuming he doesn't play on Sunday. And then maybe that door opens back up again for a chance to, to re-end the lineup. Because we know his talent. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a special athlete, and he's had big moments. But they've been uh, too few and far between, and – you know, they gave him the ball in the first play of the game last week and tried a couple times. He gave a lackluster effort on that deep ball, I thought. And so it just they haven't seen the effort and the, uh, you know, the total package that they were hoping from him. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, of course, it is absurd to hand out an MVP award in Week 8, but we do many outlandish things at Sports Talk Radio. So a couple weeks ago, Conventional Wisdom said it was all about Alex Smith. Now Carson Wentz has come alive. If you had to slot it in October, who are your top three MVP contenders as of now? Yeah, I mean, and the thing with, you know, with Wentz was he started that game the other day pretty poorly. It looked like he was struggling. And then all of a sudden, not only does he pull himself out of that struggle, he ends up having a fantastic game. And you know, all four TD passes, all the four different receivers. And he still hasn't even hit his stride yet with, uh, with Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I still think there's room to grow and rapport to be gained from that. So that's the exciting part. And then you look at the schedule and you say, boy, the Eagles have kind of an easy schedule, one of the statistically easiest ones left. So I mean, that potential is there. I mean, I think that's, that's exciting to think that a second-year player who looked at times to be a little overwhelmed or a little ordinary um, last year, that he can build himself up so well. Jared Goff's made good improvements, too. So, you know, I would say he's right there. You can't overlook one of the Kansas City players. You know, maybe Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith take votes away from each other, that sort of thing, if, you know, Hunt keeps doing what he's doing. Obviously, if, if, if Tom Brady keeps going and the Patriots sort of reestablish themselves as a contender, he's got to be in the mix. 
if Le'Veon Bell picks up the slack in, in Pittsburgh and keeps carrying the ball 30-plus times a game like he has at times this season, maybe he's the candidate as well. So you're right, it's early, tend to lean towards quarterbacks. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that way. But, yeah, I, I would think that that's kind of how it stacks up at this point. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, uh, everyone was wondering about this so-called sophomore slump for Dak Prescott. He's gotten 14 touchdowns, four interceptions at this point in time last year. I think he was 7-1. and one. Uh, his game has improved uh, tremendously. They're asking him to carry the load, and and he has so far. How do you see it actually ending for him, considering that he's been efficient, he's been consistent, but yet the defense can't make anything happen? You know, they give up, what, 35 points in the last couple games uh, prior to this San Francisco game? Do you see this team playing any better as they move forward? Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad you pointed that out about Dak, because everybody was kind of saying, okay, you were great last year. But a lot of guys do take that step back in year two, and, and the league catches up to you and all that. I mean, outside of some of those throws in the Denver game, he's been spectacular. And, and especially with the is he, is he going to play, is he not going to be playing thing with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, Jason Witten looks like he's still playing at a high level. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch him sort of keep calm amid, amid all the craziness that's gone on with that team, all the Jerry Jones stuff and the anthem talk and everything. So you're right, Dak has been that pillar of strength for them. And defensively, there's, some of the numbers are actually pretty encouraging. You know, I mean, they don't, they don't allow an obscene amount of yards. You know, passing-wise, uh, you know, they, they've sort of kept the big plays in check. The problem is not making enough interceptions. The sack pressure has started to come on. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the points allowed have been the biggest thing. So I think it's really about opportunistic. If you let the team drive down the field, that's fine. Hold them to a field goal or create a turnover every three or four possessions, whatever it may be. Stop them on fourth and short. Those are the kind of big plays. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be the kind of shutdown defense that, that a lot of contenders wish they had. But I, I think they can be an opportunistic one. And making those interceptions, those fumble recoveries, and those key stops is going to be their kind of their M.O. down the stretch, I think. Eric Adam, Pro Football Weekly, is our guest on the NFL on tune. And Eric, sneaky good trade, I think, today. Not a blockbuster, but take it back to last year. Dontrell Inman for the Chargers had good numbers because everybody else was hurt. So wide receivers on the move to Chicago. Big picture, we know the Bears can't keep winning if Mitchell Trubisky only completes four passes. He only threw it seven times on Sunday. They won that game because of a pair of defensive touchdowns against Carolina. But if we see some improvement in the passing game, do you think this team can do enough for John Fox to save his job? That's a great question. And right, Dontrell Inman isn't going to do it himself. And they've obviously got to try to open things up. And, you know, you don't develop a quarterback by having them hand off. So there's going to be pressure on Fox and, and, uh, you know, Dow Loggins, the offensive coordinator, to, to give this kid a chance to win games for him. Maybe not by himself, because that run game is good. But, yeah, he's got to be able to show something at some point. And maybe Inman, who is that kind of big play guy, he's got a long frame and, you know, can go up and, and get some of those contested balls and, uh, you know, good on double moves, and they'll send him down the field every now and then. So that's what he did for the, for the Chargers. Fell out of favor, and they got him for cheap. It's a great chance for them to kind of build some chemistry down the stretch. Will it be enough? I don't know. They've been really competitive. They've been great defensively the last couple games. You know, they're making the big plays that they hadn't before. They were one of the worst turnover-creating teams, one of the worst takeaway teams in the NFL the past couple seasons. Now the last couple weeks, it's been totally different. So you see the formula coming into focus. This is what, you know, Fox wanted to do in Carolina. This is sort of what he's wanted to do when he didn't have a Peyton Manning, et cetera. So, 
I just don't know. I mean, they've got to probably win, you know, maybe five more games down the stretch and really get on a little hot streak there. And maybe without Aaron Rodgers and, and with the, the Lions banged up and the Vikings having quarterback issues, maybe they can steal a couple. How much are you buying into the L.A. Rams right now being the best team in the AFC West? They end up losing to the Seattle Seahawks at home there at the Coliseum, but this team is not afraid to go on the road and win football games. Are you buying what they're doing offensively, defensively, and this kid, Jared Goff, is just playing lights-out football? He is. It's, it's, you know, and, and I talked about Wentz earlier, and, and you could argue that Goff made it even, even bigger incremental improvement this year because he looked pretty bad last year let's let's be honest whether it was Jeff Fisher the offense the players he had around him the situation he was thrown into I don't care what it was he didn't play well and there was some question about his accuracy and his feel in a pro style game but Sean McVay and and, and those guys Matt LaFleur they've coaxed it out of him and they've surrounded him with, with a slew of weapons and Todd Gurley's been reborn and they've found their left tackle and Andrew Whitworth I mean it's been exciting to see a team make such drastic changes offensively in one season. And I think one of the craziest stats this year has been the L.A. Rams leading the league in point differential to this point. Number two is Jacksonville. I mean, if you'd asked me that after, you know, seven, eight weeks of the season, we'd have Rams and Jaguars as the number two, one and two teams and, you know, in terms of outscoring their opponents, I would have called you crazy. So it's been a very cool thing to watch. Are they the best team They've already lost head-to-head to the Seahawks. They didn't feel like a close matchup at times. You know, they, they have a lot to prove. But the good news is they're coming off their best game of the season defensively. And, and it seems like McVay has, has hinted this team has room to grow even more and, and get even better throughout the course of this season, which is, which is kind of cool to hear. Eric, very strong debut on the program. We appreciate the time and hope to chat with you again in the future here on the NFL on TuneIn. Good hearing from you, fellas. Thanks. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.